Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Manick. I'm joined by Colin Drew, and uh, it's apparently a major week. Apparently, um, you know, everyone involved in golf, Colin, they sat down and they said, you know what, the perfect time to run the U.S. Open is uh, immediately after the first week of the NFL season when even people who truly love professional golf uh, forgot that it was happening. When I... (laughs) When I saw last week that the U.S. Open was this week, I was literally flummoxed. I like, I like, did not believe it. So that's we where a, we are. Yeah, I and mean, we got a million maker for it though, hundred dollar million maker, and so contests are decent. They're definitely not as big as they were when golf was the only thing going on this summer, but they're still pretty good. A lot of good prize pools. U.S. Open always a pretty entertaining sweat, just because guys can put up quads on a hole and just totally eject. And I think it should be. Pretty good. I know there's a lot of things going on with the NFL as well, but golf, nice break. Uh, last week, you know, just had the swing season event. And then everyone really is going to be in pretty good form for this major because they just came off the FedEx Cup playoffs. And, uh, you know, it is it is worth noting we always get this stuff at, uh, you know, we always get this stuff at U.S. Opens. But the social media that I have seen from the golf course, from Winged Foot, is uh, it's been like – Guys have been losing their ball in the rough like five feet off of the fairway because stuff is so deep. So I I am thinking, Colin, that we get more of a uh, Shinnecock U.S. Open than an Aaron Hills U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, all reports are it's that way. And you could kind of read between the lines with some of these press conferences that have started to come out uh, from guys like DJ and Tiger talking about legitimately like referencing it as being one of the hardest courses they've ever played before so you're not going to get an easy u.s open here um, by all reports sounds like the winning score is going to be above par uh, possibly multiple strokes above par so don't sign me up for that that sounds terrible i i i just i would i would rather i would rather have the uh the rocket mortgage classic breakout than uh than deal with you know uh plus four being the winning score yeah. And I think the just the important thing for DFS, if you guys maybe you're new, jumping in for the first time, you play playing NFL, you got some funds on there now, and you're going to play some golf. I mean, when the winning score is high, that puts a ton of emphasis on placement points. And so, obviously, having the winner is important every week, but there's going to be a huge discrepancy between, like, the guys who finished fifth and the guys who finished, like, 15th, just on the basis of placement points, more so than you would have in another event. So... Uh, there's some quirks with the pricing this week. They kind of dropped the min price down a little bit. You have some actual PGA Tour golfers that are like $6,000, but um, you're still, I mean, you're going to want to capture placement points and win equity. And so I do think it favors building, you know, a couple top end guys in your lineups if you can afford it. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things that could happen from a DFS perspective would be uh, what what happens if we get a T2 train like there was at uh, the Masters last year? Like, don't you think, I mean, like it would just be, it would just be one of the all time like weird result lineups if we got a T2 train where like you could have like uh, four guys who T2 and like potentially win without the actual winner. 
yeah and that is that's definitely the case for that for sure could happen especially if one of these like mega expensive guys wins because it, it's really really hard to put together a lineup that you feel great about with dj and rom but like knowing that the placement points matter a lot knowing they're the most likely guys to win you definitely have max win equity and yeah if you have a weird log jam you could for sure win without actually having the winner all right let's uh you know let's let's get into it we have our boy Dustin Johnson, who is the most expensive golfer this week. Uh, you know, historically, dude has just played amazing at U.S. Opens, right? Like, he just uh, – I, I, our boy, uh, Coolers, from the Daily Roto chat, has made this point before that. At these really tough golf courses, Dustin is just so otherworldly good that, you know, just firing four straight days of even par golf is sometimes enough to win by like five strokes at these really difficult courses. And that, that really does feel like it is in DJ's skill set. So I have not been right. Like I have, uh, I have not, I didn't buy the dip on DJ that much and I'm certainly not buying the peak, but I, I gotta say, I'm pretty intrigued by playing him here. Certainly more than the daily road projections or the data golf projections are uh, expecting right now. Like I, for example, I would much rather play DJ than John Rom. John John Rom's the truth too, though. I mean, both these guys sure. are awesome plays. Like, yeah. Both, I mean, you're, you're talking about. Well, the thing is, you don't want to be in the rough, right? Like that's that's just straight no. That, up that's that out is, there. so that's but that's number it's one. Not, yes, it's not good to be 200 yards away in the rough either. Like trying to having to pitch out sideways, it's a lot better to you know be. 130 140 and be able to chunk like a pitching wedge up there or whatever and so i it's really good to be able to drive the ball along the straight on events like this rom and dj driving the ball better than anybody in the field right now including bryson who's kind of had a relapse with the driver so uh definitely the type of course that rom and dj can you know attack and i think the good thing about both those guys is they have really well balanced golf games and perhaps they're best known for their ability to drive the ball but they kind of have it all um, as far as the ability to pick themselves up with the putter and around the green and you know those are some of the things when we looked at data golf's course fit from previous events here um, surprisingly around the green play was one of the things that over indexed compared to a traditional event and I think a lot of that just has to do with how challenging the course is and um, kind of having more of those shots from missing greens coming from like around the green and you know Ram and DJ are kind of competent in all the areas which is why they are the deserved favorites this week uh yeah I mean I think I think that seems I think that seems uh about fair and uh, I mean we do have to acknowledge uh the uh the bicep one Bryson has uh sir it's it's been he he's been crashing back down a little bit kind of following the trend of the S&P 500 you know just rocket ships from March on down and now we are seeing a, a downward trend for Bryson so our next group of guys we have is JT Rory Xander and Morikawa uh, now that Rory's had his kid and his head's back in the game, I feel I feel pretty good about him being the fourth most expensive guy in a, in a field where all he's got to do is shoot even par for uh, for four days. Because as as he famously said, like a week or two weeks ago, he's like, "That's what I've been doing anyway, so I can just go out and shoot even par, and that's uh, just going to be better than normal here." Yeah, I think the uh, like public is going to be fairly spread on these guys too. So I do think it's the type of situation where you can just kind of pick your favorite guy. Um, I'd prefer JT slightly to Rory, but I think you can make an argument for either guy. They're obviously both great players. And at the top end, it seems like that's going to who's kind of getting the most overall chatter. He's been in the really consistent form um, ever since the restart. But 
um, he does come in with kind of a lot of buzz and some of the most fan share tags. And I, I think that can separate things a little bit as far as ownership. So I, I think um, just because of that, between these guys, I would prefer JT and Rory slightly over Xander, just trying to find that extra money to get up to him. But uh, I don't think you can really go wrong with just choosing your favorite overall play this week. And, uh, you know, Xander is another guy that kind of can gain strokes with the putter, can gain strokes off the tee, gain strokes and approach. You know, overall balance is the trait that most of these guys, top end guys share, which is why they're priced here. What uh, what are we expecting? Oh, I just saw the Bryson ownership projection. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I was just getting ready to ask about Morikawa, and I'm clicking around in the Daily Road Optimizer, and I just saw that Bryson is projected for – I see, I see Bryson and Cantlay projected for single-digit uh, ownership. No, I don't think Cant. There's no way Cantlay will actually be that. But Bryson, I, I buy it. Yeah. Bryson, I mean, he has to be, right? Just – I can't do it. Uh, I can't do it. At I, I'll tell like, you I can. I'll tell you I can. <laughs> no, not, no, I mean, rich, if he is going to – he's going to be 7%. Come the on. The rich man's Wyndham Clark. And yeah, he's, well. he hasn't even barely gained strokes off the tee at the BMW and Tour Championship. So, when when <laughs> when your putter leaves you and your driver leaves you in your hulk and you can't hit the approach shots, I think you'd have to be like eighty seven hundred instead of ninety nine hundred. Yeah, but if you okay, if you were gonna look at one of these guys who we have who are above eight thousand dollars in salary and who is projected for single-digit ownership, I mean, you would feel the best about Bryson putting together an absurd week of uh, strokes gained luck box. Like, like Bryson is the Spieth candidate now, where he's just going to go for four days and making 20-foot putts. It's disgusting to think about, but it's like, that's real. Yeah. I mean, there there's some interesting single-digit guys right now. Um, you know, Bryson and Patrick Cantlay, both there. And obviously Cantlay, I, I feel like... Um, you sometimes worry about the putter a little bit, but that's been something that's been a little bit better for him. And his form hasn't been great since the restart, but it hasn't been terrible either. So, I mean, I think Cantlay is probably like a little cheaper price and still getting the single digit. Or if you're really looking for single digits, I think you can drop into like the 8K range where Tiger, I guess, in the in some of the higher, like maybe the $100 milli, he won't be popular. But I, I think in like the largest field stuff, he would carry at least a little bit of name recognition, but he's another guy that we have at single digits right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess I got to say for guys who I just jam every week, regardless of their projection or their ownership projection, like it's shaping up for me to have more plus EV rosters. If in fact, Cantlay is going to be this low, like for example, Daniel, Daniel Berger versus Patrick Cantlay, 8% versus 20%. I mean, that just, it doesn't even seem close to me. It just feels like you just, you, you would, you would go Cantlay there. 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I've definitely warmed up to burger in general. I think I've got him just outside my top 10 this week. Um, and so I think at that price, he is in play for me, but definitely considering the ownership discrepancy and like $200 difference, then I think Cantley would have to be the guy you kind of click in into single entry lineup. Yeah. All right. So we have this next range of guys, Webb 9,700. He strikes me as a very good U.S. Open style guy. Then we have, uh, we have Berger, we have Finau, we have Hideki, Tommy, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Jason Day. Where are you at with these guys? Do you have a favorite in this range? Do you think that, um, 
I guess a great question here is, do you think that starting here to build, you know, these hyper balance lineups is, is a plus EV strategy this week or, or not? So it feels comfortable, but I, I don't think it's the right way to go just because of yeah. all the win equity up top. Um, so I think that's an area I'm going to try to focus on to make sure when I do make my builds that I'm grabbing more win equity, even though it feels more comfortable to try to click in like a couple of these names versus having to choose one of the top guys to, to anchor on. Uh, so obviously that could fail if uh, you get a balanced golfer that wins. And, um, but it's not like it's impossible to build like a top end guy with one of these other expensive guys kind of like at the low 9K range or even the high 9K range. And so I think that's probably the best way to go is to try to get two of these guys into your roster and then just figure it out down below. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think, though, the thing is, in single entry and three max, uh, like in the PME contest and stuff, I don't like, and the, a lot of those teams are, are hand built. I don't think people do that. I think people are so uncomfortable clicking on 6.3K golfer X that they just won't do it. Yeah, and I think in single entry, I actually think just because the overall scoring is going to be so bad, I don't think there's going to be like a massive disconnect between somebody who misses the cut on the number and then somebody who sticks around and plays the weekend and finishes in like 50th place or whatever. Uh, there's just not that many fantasy points that you can pick up if there aren't a lot of birdies. So um, I guess that would be another, another thing there, especially for the smaller field stuff. Is, um, is showdown just going to be a mess? Um, in <laughs> like, as far as guys putting up negative scores and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. The round four showdown will be pretty interesting. Um, I, it'll probably be really small just because it's on Sunday during the NFL season. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can see some big time ejections from players. And uh, I think that's something that is going to be pretty interesting, but it would be especially interesting for like a round four format. Sounds uh, sounds like a, a, a whole load of tilt. All right, the, uh, the Davis Matic tout of the week, Adam Scott, lock in a T5 here at, uh, at winged foot, just, uh, let that, let that beautiful man and that beautiful swing out on this golf course. And, uh, definitely prefer him to tiger. Definitely prefer him to right now. This can't be right. We have Patrick Reed projected for 25% of rosters. No way. Is he, is he, is he been just crushing it? I haven't really watched the last two events like that closely. Well, I mean, I think with Patrick Reed, it's a couple things. The price point is definitely one. Um, his, like, betting market odds are definitely influencing things Always as good. well. yeah. And then he is, uh, I think, ninth overall in the data golf ranking, so a really good value there as well. And so all of that definitely seems like it's setting up for Patrick Reed. I think in these Millie Maker stuff, usually guys are topping out close to 20% unless it's a crazy mispricing, so... Yeah, V1, 24%, probably settles around 20 but I definitely think of the mid-tier, he's going to be one of the really popular options uh, just because he also fits all sorts of roster builds. Um, and I would prefer to, I guess, try to find a little salary if I can to get up. Even like a Tony Finau or a Berger, they're both kind of adequately rostered as well, but um, less so than Reed at a slightly more expensive price tag. And, you know, both of these guys since the restart – have been striking the ball kind of as good as anybody in the field you know Finau kind of inside the top 15 golfers in the field with his long game but also has been putting and having solid short game to go alongside that so he's a guy that obviously don't expect to win but it wouldn't be surprising to see him in contention on a course like this 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think it seems like it's setting up to be a very interesting week to, to be contrarian because we have so many guys with pedigree who are not projected to be, you know, on, on loads of rosters out there. I mean, I, I, I'm looking right now at Victor Hovland at 8K, and I know he's got like some of – well, he doesn't have dusty short game, but he, feel, he does like make mistakes with his short game quite a bit. And I, I think that, you know, scrambling and being able to make pars instead of bogeys is going to be – is going to be really big this week, but Hovland at 8K and I mean Drewby, our boy Matthew Fitzpatrick. How much are we going to have to jam this guy Fitzpatrick this week? Feels feels like a potential like 30% play. <laughs> Fitzpatrick is actually generating. Well, you know he always settles into the same range, right? I it guess, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, literally, he could be Mayo and Feinberg could talk about him for half an hour. He could be. Uh, you know, Tiger could be like tweeting stuff about it. Just it just wouldn't matter. He'd be twelve percent every week. <laughs> and you, you got to get to thirty to get over that. No, I mean Fitzpatrick is a, a pretty solid value this week, and um, I don't really have concerns with I guess Hovland, but I do think with some of the value guys um, down below, I start to get concerned about them just completely falling apart on a course like this. Like it definitely. Bring, like someone like Neiman uh, is the guy that I think of that where it could just end up being like an unmitigated disaster. Um, something like Corey Connors, like some of these guys that we, we like to target um, for like birdie making abilities. I just feel like when you get to some of the hard courses, it can just turn into like a total disaster. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, um, I think that's probably true. Uh, okay. What is Paul Casey going to be owned in the Thunderdome? This is always the funniest one. The, the Sharps always love Paul Casey. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't opened the Thunderdome lobby in a long time, so I have no idea. We've got him 15% in the main stuff. He's 7,900. He is 20th overall in our rankings, which makes him kind of one of the better values, one of the best values below $8,000. So I think that's that's got to draw a lot of people in. So maybe in the the single entry higher stake stuff, you could see like 25, 30% Paul Casey. So funny. Like it's just it's what and and you all like all the gamblers, they're just always in on Paul Casey and then just always tilting the uh the short putts. Woodland yeah. who, do, seems... who do you got between Casey and Victor Hovland? Oh, come on. You, the 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 36-year-old guy with no personality and uh the 24-year-old dude who's like hilarious and always looks like he's stoned uh give me give me Victor Hovland there I mean I feel like they profile as like <laughs> similar players if not they're not similar personalities for sure but similar players um yeah right now, Ho- and Hovland's probably been a little bit better yeah. yeah yeah just a, a little bit better um I think that Woodland seems really strong here uh you know his one uh wait he's won a u.s open right i didn't make that up gary hit in the two iron right oh yeah tout bingo yeah gary gary uh keeping it in the fairways less than driver courses uh i think that i think that's pretty strong i i need help though i need an intervention i got like literally sergio garcia is is stealing money from my family i keep playing this guy and he has lost since the restart. Like he is putting like a recreational amateur golfer, Colin. It's it's absurd. <laughs> it's it's not pretty. So Sergio Garcia. I mean, you're basically getting like Sergio Garcia and Paul Casey. You're basically the same thing out of those guys. Um, as far as the play you're getting from them since the restart. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to lose more money on Sergio this week. I'm I'm sure of it. It's just it seems like it is written. So. 
that that is the way it shall be. Uh, but obviously, Sergio, a little bit of concern that he felt like obligated to go play in the Safeway Open. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Um, just because for the most part, you're not seeing any guys there unless they're like super hungry for paychecks or they're younger players or they're worried about keeping their tour cards. So um, I guess that is one of the concerns with Sergio this week. I mean, the, my, my concern with Sergio is just that, uh, you he know, I could just at, uh, like a at this freaking Safeway. Corn yeah. Ferry Field. Yeah. Yeah. Like not like, and, and the thing was he gained strokes everywhere, but he's that bad at putting like he, like for Sergio to make birdies at this point, he's got to be like hitting them to like three feet for you to feel yeah, good. A lot, of, a lot of the stuff that you read this week talks about these green complexes being like uh, as fast as Augusta, but with more undulation and um, that there's just gonna be three putts all over the face, all over the place. So like store that in the back of your mind for when you're like hand building your, your like single entry lineup and you're trying to, like in Sergio Garcia or Paul Casey and just like picture them standing over five footers for like 72 straight holes. Yeah. Um, I would love to tout Matt Kuchar here, uh, but he has been so bad. He has been so bad since the restart. He has been uh, Jim Herman-esque, but without, without the win, like he just has not been a good golfer since the restart at all. Yeah. It's been very weird for Kuchar and I definitely agree with you there he's he's not been himself usually you'd be looking at $7,200 Kuchar and I mean to be honest when you first open up the slate and you just scroll through prices like didn't you you're like making a placeholder lineup where you're like oh $7,200 Kuchar like he'll make the cut yep just like plug him he'll in. make the cut yep but he, he's not though like he is like I, I think legitimately he might be a worse play than Danny Willett who is like who has been better since the restart and is like a notorious hardcore grinder. Yeah. I think the one thing about Kucher is um I don't think he's been I don't think he's been quite as bad as it seems, but uh like I mean obviously none of the results have been there, but just looking at like overall T to green averages for ball striking and short game, he's pretty comparable to Brendan Todd and I think like our perception is Brendan Todd has actually like run above expectations since the restart and so um I thought that was pretty interesting when you kind of get into it a little bit yeah I think I think that one I think that that seems okay I don't know this is so we are now officially in the range where you're like one of these guys is going to be there on the leaderboard on Sunday but I, my, my level of confidence in all of them is as low as confidence can get. I mean, we're talking about $7,000 burned Wiesberger. We have Keegan, Tom Lewis, Shez Reavy, uh, EVR, who will probably end up being – Shez and EVR probably will end up being fairly owned. Connors probably as well. Uh, Kokrak, I guess, 6,800 seems okay. But I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling great about, uh, about this range at a super difficult golf course. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, Henrik Stenson, we've only seen him twice. Um, and, you know, he was kind of average um, at WGC, FedEx, and then missed a cut at the PGA Championship. But I think Stenson's kind of right in that same range with Kucher. And I would imagine that between the two, that Stenson is kind of the guy that's kind of bypassed entirely. So if uh, I think Kucher will probably be like twice the ownership of Stenson. So if you're looking to get like the vet guy in there, maybe Stenson is a, a loaned pivot. Um, 
it's definitely not a race you feel great about. I guess $6,800 Ben on was one of the guys that I felt like could possibly be the last guy in on yeah. overall rosters. On surprisingly has good short game if you just completely erase the putting. And if we're we're talking about three putts, like On's already got that baked into his game. So maybe the field comes back to him on three putts and he's able to to hang around a little bit. Um, obviously, the ball striking is usually very, very solid with Ben On. And I think that his around the green play is decent as well. So um, I like On a good bit at 6,800. I definitely think he makes a little bit more sense, like a top, 30 wouldn't really shock me at all, but uh, I don't think he can really like hang around on Sunday or anything like that. I mean, unless this is the one time in his life where he starts making eight footers, right? That's literally all it would take because he can hang with these guys, T to green. I mean, he can hang with, uh, you know, Rand, like he's just as good T to green as Gary Woodland, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was on, on like when he was, uh, Sunday leader uh, going to round four and you just knew the ejection was coming. So I just don't yep. think it can last for that many days, but I definitely he, think he'd be the, the kind of top value for me, prefer him slightly to Corey Connors. Uh, okay. What about, what about this galaxy brain take? These greens are so nasty and tough that everyone is going to lose strokes on the greens. So just don't even sweat it at all. Just like, don't care about, don't care about uh, the putting at all and just roster the TD green guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's terrible to be perfectly honest. Um, and I, I think when I did regression analysis for the masters uh, back a couple of years ago now at this point, uh, what I did find was that the TD green play was a lot more predictive than putting despite all the narratives about Augusta's trickiness and Augusta's greens. Obviously Augusta plays way, way easier relative to par also a smaller field so there are some different dynamics there but uh i do think just in general whenever scores are really high relative to par you do see that t to green ends up mattering it makes up a higher percentage of the strokes whenever scores are like negative 20 or whatever for the winner then you see the putting drives like a higher deviation in strokes so um i think there is some truth to that that galaxy brain take there you go you guys we have we have the uh winner um do we so, want to be the Do we want to be the only golf podcast this week that doesn't tout Will Zalatoris? <laughs> we got to at least talk about him, right? We don't we don't have to we don't have to tout him at all. But this, this he's guy like the not... Corn Fairy Tour, Tiger Woods. Exactly. Like he hasn't played a PGA Tour event since the 2018 Wyndham Championship when he missed the cut, and he's just been hanging out on the Corn Fairy Tour. But he's been rattling off just incredible form there. Uh, T2, T19, T5, T18, 6, 14, 5, 1, 4, 3, 6, 26, 9. It's surprising he hasn't got any sponsors exemptions into any of these other events. But um, yeah, I mean, the form is great. I, I think it's hard for me to have too much of an opinion on him. I will tell you that if you run like our optimizer, if you're listening to this for the first time. Yeah, you're, you you're, he's, he's, the Harry, he's the Harry Hall play. You get him like 25, even with a lot of shuffle and stuff, you get him like 25% of lineups. Um I'm what I guess the, the hardest thing for me to figure out, and this happens kind of every week, there's usually a couple players that project for high ownership just because they are touted frequently on podcasts. But then when people actually go to build lineups around them, they just have a lot of trouble clicking them in. So um, do you feel like that people will actually like go through with it and roster him? Or do you think that it's just like the, the buzzy guy to talk about so, because they're grasping for content? I, I literally think it just depends on like 
how many touts go hard to the hole for him because like if if there are a bunch of people who are like will will zaltoris you got to get this guy in single entry in three max and like on rg he's projected really high like i think he could he could get to some reasonable level of ownership like for example i think he could end up being more owned than sebastian munoz which would be hilarious but i i could see it happening yeah well yeah i think that's fair um the I, I do think that I mean obviously I trust the data golf projections and their ability to adjust play across tours better than anybody else who's kind of making things up. So I'm inclined to trust it a little bit. Obviously, the back of your mind, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played an event on the tour in over two years, who's making his first start in the PGA Championship. So, like, would it be shocking to see him 130th on the leaderboard? No, it wouldn't really be. But um, I do trust their projections and just overall from a macro perspective we are looking to get star heavy builds and having two 6k guys helps to do that. So I think you could probably do worse than like clicking into 6k guys and having him be part of that overall mix. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm with that for sure. Other cheap guys who I think you can, uh, you know, who could grind out, you know, T 33s or whatever. Uh, Matthias Schwab, I think is pretty interesting. He's, he's a guy that the data golf stuff is pretty high on. Joel Damon, uh, I'll let you tout Brian Harmon if you want to. I think that he could he could uh, qualify as a cut maker here. JT Poston, probably the absolute cheapest guy at sixty one hundred, and uh, oh, this will this will make this will make everyone happy who's playing the daily roto, going for the green fantasy golf uh, drinking game. We got we got Steve Strix sitting there at sixty two hundred. All you got to do is keep it in the fairway, Strix. Can you do it? I mean, you passed over the one guy I'm obviously going to tout. Former U.S. Open champion Lucas Glover, 6,600. Like, oh, yeah, big I'm, time. I'm fine. Glover and single entry, he'd be part of consideration for me and definitely a guy to consider and kind of last man in on some lineups. And so um, I, I like Glover straight up this week. One of my favorite value plays. Him yes. And on. Single entry, three max, get get Glover in. I, I really like it. And P, I mean – I, I honestly feel like nobody ever rosters Glover. He like is, he'll he's, be like sub five for sure. Like he'll probably be 1%. I bet he's probably my most owned guy other than Rory and Bryson this year. Hasn't been a banner year for me waiting for, for Glover to make some putts, yeah. but what can and you then, do? Yeah. And then I, I think like the other, um, like Ryan Palmer at 6,600, Thomas Peters at 6,800. Those are two other guys that I think I want to have a bit of exposure that would be kind of in the 20 max conversation. I think that I wouldn't be shocked to see any of those guys inside of the top 20, um, not elite values that I want to make an overall stance on because like anybody down here, there, there's a lot of risk and there's a reason their price so cheap. Their form has been kind of up and down a little bit shaky, but I think Ryan Palmer, Thomas Peters, Glover, they kind of all have the length and ball striking ability. Um, and then you just kind of hope the rest of it clicks. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in on that. All right, let's let's uh, let's take a look at some bets for this week. The only the only ticket I have was one that I thought was great and uh, ended up not being great. I had Bryson 28-1 to 1 to win this event. And, uh, you know, if we're, if we're keeping the stock analogy, you know, for a while, he was trading it like <laughs> – he's trading it like 18-1. to 1. Uh, wish I wish I could have sold that ticket. Would have would have sold it for the equity I gained because he's back down to twenty eight to one. So that's that's the only ticket that I'm holding 
right now. Um, with the with the galaxy brain putting theory, do you think that Hideki thirty three to one is a good bet? I mean, got it. It feels like it's too short of a price, and yeah. I know what the projections say, but to me, it feels like it's too short of a price for Hideki. And um, I guess at the top end, the two guys I thought about, I thought about JT at fourteen to one, and then I thought about. Rory at 18 to one, just because it starts to feel like you're getting a pretty big price on Rory. I think uh, both of those are kind of like net break even. So like they're more sweat bets and something where I'm like, oh, this is like a screaming value. I got to bet it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of most of, that's kind of most of what I see as well. It's like nothing that I really have to get to. I think maybe I might try and do a little bit of live betting at this event because I just, I just don't really see anything that I'm like, Oh yeah, I really expect a guy at. I mean, maybe maybe Corey Connors. You can get Corey Connors on Fanduel at two hundred and ten to one, I guess. But it's just like, is Corey Connors going to win the U.S. Open? He's probably not. Maybe maybe you bet him T twenty, right? Because like Corey Connors is not going to win the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I, I think like cash outs are always negative EV. Uh, that would be like the other reason. Um, I guess way down the board, both Billy Horschel and Matt Kuchar at 150 to one were guys that I thought were at least like reasonably interesting and they're probably not going to win the U S open either. But I think that uh, you wouldn't be totally shocked if they're inside the top 10 and gave you like a little bit of a sweat for it. And if it does end up just like crazy difficult, then like who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool All with right. that. And then for, for, Oh, we got to do our, our pinata picks, right? Yeah, we got to – well, let's, let's put together a team. I'm going to enter this. I'm feeling generous today, Davis, so I'm going to enter this team in the $100 Millie Maker. So we got to make sure it's it's a good one here. Um, All right. I'm going to start with Lucas Glover. I think that he's one of the better values on the entire slate, 6,600, guy that is exceptionally good with his long game and actually a little bit underrated around the greens and on the green as well. Uh, I think that for the price, you can do a lot worse than Lucas Glover. I love the Lucas Glover play. The Lucas Glover play. Uh, I'm going to go with fancy Lucas Glover. Also can't putt. Adam Scott, 8,700. I think he is the best uh, 8K value. Yeah. And I, I do think that Glover, I kind of think of as like a poor man's Webb Simpson or a poor man's Adam Scott. So um, I think that's pretty reasonable as well. Uh, Got to be a slave a little bit to the projections. Been on one of the best plays at 6,800. And I think he fits like the similar narratives to, to Scott and Glover. So building at least a little bit of correlation there as far as the course fit dynamics. Um, I think that Glover and on, you know, at best, you're hoping for top 20 from them. I think that's probably fine as long as we can nail the top end guys. So Adam Scott's going to have to bring the broomstick for this team. Um, all right. So we need an expensive guy. We're here. We are. We're going to take Rory McIlroy. So Rory at 10.5K. Um, I think, like we said, you can kind of choose your favorite guys over there. I think McIlroy, solid value overall compared to the top end guys. And uh, like he said, par is a good score for him. So that leaves us 8,700. And I think the two kind of options are to take another guy that's up towards the top. And that kind of builds in like a a star heavy build of maybe two guys that are uncomfortable to, to fit together, but then you have to find another punt down at like 7,500 and below, or we can kind of double tap like the mid tier. And when you're looking at the mid tier, 
you're looking at guys like Jason Day, Tiger Woods, Patrick Reed, Terrell Haddon down there. Um, do you have a preference overall as far as build style? Yeah, definitely stud and punt. I, I love that. I just love that in jet, like in general, but I, I like this even better at, uh, at this event. Cool. So uh, probably going to put you in a pretty uncomfortable position with your next pick then, but uh, I'm going to take JT at 10.7 K and basically already got it built out. Hoping for the exacta essentially here where it's JT Rory one and two, not a lot of people rostering the two of them together, hope for a good round from Scott. And then the other guys just have to have to try to exist and get through. So that gives us 6.7 K or cheaper. Um, I feel like this build is probably contrarian enough. We don't have to leave Sally on the table. So it's just really your favorite uh, guy down here. Yeah. And then we, uh, we just draft Sebastian Munoz. Bang, bang. Sebastian Munoz. Guy makes birdies, Colin. He does. Uh, he, he, yeah, the FedEx Cup playoffs, he definitely is playing well. Um, I'm always a little bit scared about this type of player on a course like this, but uh, I understand and a little TTP there as well. TTP and, uh, you know, he just needs one albatross hole out to get there, which is, you know, easy game, right? <laughs> if I tilt uh, switch Munoz to someone like Ryan Palmer later in the week, don't hold it against me. All right. I won't. Um, all right. So everyone that's going to do it for us here at the daily Roto going for the green daily fantasy golf podcast. This has been Davis Matic and Colin drew. Uh, if you guys are wanting to, uh, you know, fire in that hundred dollar milli, I would definitely uh, head over to dailyroto.com and access our, not only our optimizer, but the projections that we have from the data golf guys as well, or, uh, you know, head over and check out the monthly elite package so that you can grind, uh, MLB, NBA, and uh, NFL as well. Uh, be back and talk to you guys soon. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.